0: Podcast.com. Thank you so much for listening to the Public Relations Review Podcast and have a great day. Hello, this is Peter Wolfolk, producer and host of the Public Relations Review Podcast. When I conceived this program, my idea was to provide public relations practitioners with a wide variety of solid, useful information and guidance From public relations professionals across America, and we are doing that. I will continue to cover important topics such as crisis communications and artificial intelligence and other such important topics, but I will also address other issues such as diversity in public relations, marketing to women, public relations trends, various data concerns, and much more. From time to time, I will also invite vendors of public relations products on to help you better understand how these products can improve your efficiency and your effectiveness. You will learn a lot from our podcast, so thank you for listening, and please inform your colleagues about the Public Relations Review Podcast and continue listening. Thank you so very much. Welcome. This is the Public Relations Review Podcast, a program to discuss the many facets of public relations with seasoned professionals, educators, authors, and others. Now, here is your host, Peter Woolfolk. Welcome to the Public Relations Review Podcast and to our listeners across America and around the world. The Public Relations Society of America has a new chairman, T. Garland Stansel and Garland is our special guest today. Now, just a quick background. He is the Chief Communications Officer for Children's of Alabama in Birmingham, Alabama. Garland and APR has more than 32 years of experience in public relations, marketing, health promotion, advocacy, and fundraising. Now, prior to joining Children's of Alabama he, as vice president, um uh, he was vice president of and of Public Relations and Development at the Alabama Goodwill Industries, and he was Assistant Director of Corporate Communications for Bank Boston Mortgage Corporation in their Alabama office. Stansel has a long tenure of leadership within PRSA, serving on the Board of Directors as Treasurer in 2018, Secretary in 2017, and at-large member from 2015 to 16, and much, much more. So, Garlam, welcome to the program.
1: Peter, thank you. My, my privilege and pleasure to be with you today.
0: Now, in your January letter to, uh, to members, you mentioned the 2020 vision, now, and that specifically included eight priorities. One is diversity and inclusion. So how does PRSA currently view the state of diversity and inclusion in the public relations profession, and what activities are contemplated to improve any shortcomings that you found?
1: Well, Peter, I tell you, document that you're referring to is our our strategic plan for 2020 through 2022, and we have known for quite some time that in the profession, as well as the membership of PRSA, that we are not as diverse as we would like to be. We have done some surveying. We have looked at the membership numbers and know that we need to increase the diversity and inclusion throughout PRSA. So, for the first time in this year's triennial strategic plan, we have diversity and inclusion as one of those priorities we've We've had some uh, programs in the past and some efforts toward diversity and inclusion, but this is the first time that we've had it as an actual uh, priority in the plan so uh, you know what we're hoping is that by making it a priority and then having specifics around that, we'll be able to raise more awareness around diversity inclusion, and to bring more people into PRSA. We've got some specific goals that are tied to diversity and inclusion. One of those included doing a DNI and i survey, which was led by PRSA's diversity and inclusion committee back in the second half of 2019. And that was led by Felicia Blow, APR, and Andrea Gils who are the co-chairs of our National Diversity and Inclusion Committee. Mm-hmm. So in looking at those results, then from that we have developed a diversity and uh, inclusion strategic plan and looking at the landscape and what we can do in, in addition to what? PRSA has already been doing. We've had the committee, we've given awards to chapters around the country who have really set the standard for uh, diversity and inclusion, increasing diversity in their ranks, raising the visibility for diversity in those communities. So we've done that for a number of years. We've had a diversity month focus. Uh, In addition to that, we've also looked at other months where we've tried to raise uh, visibility around diversity, Mm -hmm. such as in February for Black History Month, in March for uh, women, in June for LGBTQ, so different times that we have tried to raise that visibility, and then celebrating in August, uh, Diversity and Inclusion Month, and we've had a toolkit that we put out there so that um, the chapters around the country of PRSA can take that toolkit and help to raise the um, interest around diversity and the visibility around diversity and celebrate diversity. So we've done those things in the past, but we've wanted to try to go beyond that and look at not only just diversity and raising the issue of diversity, But raising more around the idea of inclusion Mm -hmm. and how do we as an organization become an inclusive organization? And what, you know, how are we being welcoming to whether it's uh, race or gender or sexual orientation? Or um, another one of our pillars priorities this year is our international reach and looking at those that we have. From international communities who are part of PRSA, those who work for international companies, um, those with different backgrounds. So, all of that, we're looking at how can we be a more inclusive organization across the board.
0: Well, just a quick, quick question here because uh, you did mention uh, inclusion. Uh, do you help people understand the, the differences not only between uh, diversity? And inclusion, but also the benefits and sell the benefits that other people have seen as a result of their diversity programs. What benefits have accrued to their various and sundry organizations as a result of it?
1: Right. We, um, you know, honestly, we have not in the past, but that is one thing that our research in the survey did show, and one of the things that we have written into our plan for this year on diversity inclusion is looking at how can we as PRSA kind of be a thought leader around diversity and inclusion and offering to our chapters and our districts and our sections uh, that kind of information. What is the difference between diversity? What do we mean by inclusion? Mm -hmm. What do we mean by equity? And how can the various members in, in the chapters and districts and sections help to further inclusion and equity in their own communities, since the communities all over the country are going to to be a little different. So um, what we're hoping we can do is lay the groundwork, provide them thought leadership and, and definitions from which they can work, and then augment that with an updated toolkit of sorts that they can take and uh, customize depending on their particular area
0: mm-hmm. and
1: whatever type of diversity and whatever <clears throat> challenges they may be having with inclusion there in their own community.
0: Let me add a little bit more to that because several years ago I uh, wrote an article here in, uh, here in Nashville that talked about diversity, but this particular article fo- focused on disability, And what I did with that was I I basically I happened to read another article that one major bank in New York had discovered that their outdoor ATM machines was causing a problem for people in wheelchairs because, you know, it was a straight uh, wall there and and the wheelchair wheels kept bumping into the wall so they could not actually get to the panel to do what you need to do to use the ATM machine. So they made that uh, alteration on those machines. As a result of it, they got, not only did they get massive publicity, but then people from the disability community appreciated what they did and swarmed into the bank to begin to open accounts. So helping people understand why, not only why we were uh, inclusive, but the benefit that accrued to, to the users that eventually flowed to us as a uh, as an organization, certainly so, I mean so it it had tremendous benefits
1: right, right, well, and that that's exactly right, and that's what we're hoping that we can accomplish through thought leadership and providing information, highlighting those opportunities so that then in in communities around our chapters, districts, and sections can <clears throat> make a difference. one of the things that we would we would like to do is to encourage those members and chapters and districts and sections around the country to engage with their local community. So if there is something, as you just mentioned, in their own community where there is any group uh, that is kind of disenfranchised because they are not included, that maybe the local group can take that on to try to kind of be the voice for them and be the, the PR you know, almost an agency or voice on behalf of that group. So those are the kinds of things beyond just saying we want more diversity in our membership and we want to be more inclusive in PRSA with our own membership, but also to encourage our members to look at are there ways locally that they can become engaged that can make a difference in diversity and inclusion in their own communities.
0: Well, you know, and I agree with that. Uh, Some years ago when I was the uh, uh, chair of our diversity committee here in Nashville some years ago, one of the things that I wanted to do was to bring some of the people from those various communities in, and say we'll find here are some of the mistakes that people have been making in dealing with our organization or our group of people or uh, the people in uh, under our umbrella. You know, whether it's Hispanic, primarily that that's where we were. But sometimes folks forget about Asians. I mean, we've got a huge right. bunch of right. Asians that are, are probably not uh, you know being addressed. And here in Nashville, we've got one of the largest Kurdish communities in the in the country, and mm-hmm. we don't really think about those. One other quickie was, I read an article in one of the PR um, publications about how to market to the blind. Wow, that that, that was a lightning bolt for me. I had no idea. So I called a guy up who happened to be an instructor uh, at one of the colleges in Pennsylvania and asked him if he would like to be on the show and do an interview. And not only did he agree, but he said, oh, by the way, my partner in writing this article is blind. Can he come? Of course. So what we found out is that there's a huge market that, that sometimes we overlook and once you understand what the uh the how to go about accessing it without stepping on people's toes and, and everybody's comfortable, they can open up a wide variety of markets for people that maybe hadn't thought about it in the past.
1: Right. Right. And that that is a an excellent point. We we tend to many times think of diversity and inclusion just in gender and race mm-hmm. or gender and many times in this country just black and white or maybe now black and white and uh, hispanic but there's so many more parts to diversity and inclusion to as you said uh, you know asian americans pacific islanders any number of other different nationalities, but then also all those persons with disabilities and the different disabilities that, you know, they are uh, living with every day, and how are we um, as an organization being inclusive for persons with disabilities, and are we helping to make our communities better for those persons with disabilities? Mm-hmm. So those are all of the types of things that we're looking at Is I guess in, in one thing you said, what we'll we be doing is, is really trying to broaden our own definition and our own thinking for our members of diversity, inclusion, and equity. And um, what does that look like? What does that look like in their own community? And uh, how can we use you know our uh, knowledge and our positions to um, make a difference? You know, what I- we're looking at doing
0: and, and maybe one way of, of, of helping, as I listen to you um, say that, one of the things that just popped into my mind is having a diversity panel of people from those areas that you, we normally don't think about, as you said, uh, or you know, had brought up. How many disabilities are we talking about? We could be talking about blind. We could talk about those who are hearing impaired. Uh, uh-huh. That might be a bit more, but, uh, you know, who bound to jazz? Or somebody from those areas to have a panel to say, here's what we need and how we need it to be delivered to us. So, right. and, you know, just in terms of thought leadership, let's hear from those people that we are not reaching to find out what does it take to reach you. Right. So I'm just sort of. It, th- it
1: takes th- a little, a, a little um, different way of thinking. And considering that uh, in the the typical ways that we communicate are probably not right for every audience. Mm-hmm. So in looking at diversity and in looking at it being inclusive to especially those with disabilities, but not only disabilities, but other you know, diverse characteristics that we may have to communicate differently and not have a kind of one-size-fits-all communication strategy.
0: Uh, uh, You you are absolutely right, because I'm sitting here thinking about the blind folks. And, uh, you know, what was encouraging as I listened to the professor talk was that how much money these folks spend? So if you uh, are a PR firm for a commercial agency and you're not dealing with these folks the way they need to be dealt with, there's a large slice of an economic pie that uh, you're not benefiting uh, from. Right. So what about some of the awards? You had mentioned some of the awards that uh, for diversity. What, if you can recall, maybe what some of the organizations did that brought that award in dealing with the diversity issue?
1: Um, I'm trying to remember. I know we get one award every year, and it's to uh, a chapter that wins the the diversity award for the year. We've had one chapter that's in uh, Southeast Wisconsin that has won the award for a couple of years because they have been doing exactly what I've been talking about, kind of changing the conversation around diversity and inclusion. They have been reaching out to their community. They have been connecting members to some projects in the community. And then because they have done that, they've attracted more diverse membership Mm -hmm. and people who have said, oh, well, you know, uh, it looks like they get diversity and inclusion and they're interested in making a difference in the community. And I want to be a part of that. And they've reached out to look also for partnerships in their community that could support their efforts. And uh, that's another thing that you know, we've been trying to look at with PRSA is how can we uh, strike some international partnerships? How can we look at partnerships with uh, Black PR Society, the Hispanic PR Society, so that those members also uh, know about PRSA and what we're doing and can look at maybe benefiting even from our professional development that we have, Mm -hmm. and uh, that we can try to together work to uh, strengthen diversity and inclusion. Uh, Another one of those things that we have done is PRSA also has the PRSA Foundation, and the focus of the foundation for some number of years has been on diversity and inclusion. And uh, the foundation gives a number of scholarships every year, and those scholarships typically, most of them are tied to students uh, with diverse backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we've been looking at building that, and then PRSA, along with the foundation, has joined with uh, several other organizations to look at developing a diversity and inclusion action alliance where we may be able to bring to bear the efforts of, of many communication-oriented organizations, where we may be able to start raising more um, thought leadership around diversity and inclusion. And eventually, I think the idea is to, to be able to work through some of the larger agencies around the country to... Um, Hopefully, uh, inform hiring practices mm-hmm. so that there are, are, are more hires made from you know diverse uh, communities. Uh, all of it kind of ties together. We're <clears throat> we're working closely with uh, HBCUs and um, the historic Hispanic universities to um, also <clears throat> develop some relationships to help educate young people on. Uh, public relations, and other communication disciplines as options for them for a career so that we can get into those. Uh, there's some scholarshipping, and um, they understand that this is a an opportunity for a career. We've made some relationships with these uh, agencies and corporations who are willing to hire uh, as interns uh, these students, and then hopefully hire them on after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, we're kind of trying to work all sides of that so that we can uh, attract young people who are making their decisions as far as their um, career to go into a communications career. And so that that's kind of on that side to, to feed more of a pipeline of uh, – of those from diverse backgrounds, who well, are interested in going in communication.
0: Well, well, let me ask you right quick, and, and and obviously some of these things just pop up as I listen to you. As I said going into careers, but uh, most high schools and maybe even some junior high schools have career days. Has there been an outreach effort in terms of PR chapters appearing at high schools or at career days to say this is what public relations? Here's some of the things we do. Uh, here's some people and here's how we do it that sort of thing so they can see and then two, maybe even I think there's a National Hispanic PR Association as well some sort right, of joint right. programs uh, with them to find out how we can collaborate to uh, maybe do some cross-pollination of efforts here.
1: Right. And we, we have um, connected with the National Hispanic uh, PR uh, Association so uh, we have connected with that group. We are working uh, alongside that in the in the Black uh, PR Association, and then through those universities that um, historically are either Hispanic or or Black schools. And so, we're we're working through those. To answer your question in regard to the high schools, um, there has not been a concerted effort yet, not from PRSA. Uh, I do believe that. Um, down the line, that is part of the plan of the Action Alliance, but really doing that more so through uh, some of the members in the larger agencies and the larger corporations who may be going to high schools anyway Mm -hmm. and doing um, those kinds of career fair um, activities. So, uh, But you're exactly right that um, it, it does help if they know in high school when they're looking at going to school, you know, selecting a college or university that um, they are aware of the communication positions that are out there and those kinds of careers that uh, they may want to find more, you know, uh, about before they ever get to school to, you know, to the higher education. <clears throat>
0: You know, again, some of these things just pop into my mind. I was watching ESPN, though, maybe last week, a week before last, and they were doing a a thirty or thirty by thirty or whatever on Michael Vick. Now, obviously, the you know that football player who got himself into deep uh-huh. trouble because of the dog fighting. Well, once right. he got out, he you know he was basically a pariah. You know, nobody wanted to touch him. And he says, "Look, I think I've learned my lesson, but I need to find a way to let people know that." Well, he said he did some research and he tracked down some woman who was African-American in Atlanta and uh, got in touch with her and said, I need some help. I want to try to restore, you know, I'm really serious about this. And she put him through his paces to make sure that uh, he was not going to waste her time. But Mm -hmm. I think the stroke Mm -hmm. of genius that she did that really began to turn the corner for him is that she hooked him up with the Peter folks. Uh, mm-hmm. Prevention of uh, what a PETA, forget the, the what the acronym against cruelty to animals, something along those lines. Right. And
1: people can, <clears throat> uh, yeah, I know what you're talking. I, about. I yeah.
0: understand. And 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 so he sat down, uh, or she had arranged for Michael to meet with the president of PETA, and she said mm-hmm. there are no holes barred. Ask him anything you want. You know, any sort of litmus test you want to apply, but. This I think it worked to the benefit of for both of you, and they she let him have at him, uh, and and it, right. well eventually it did work. So uh, uh, Michael and, and I think uh, Michael uh, did admit that you know he was wrong because he listened to the wrong people, so forth and so on. So uh, the fact that uh, that and some other things, it probably took him a year or more, but uh, obviously he got back into the National Football League and turned things around for himself. So getting somebody like that to maybe speak at the PRSA is something long I forget the lady's name I can probably go track it down but having somebody of that caliber and has done something that was massive in correcting somebody else's errors for them all, all, and all for the good
1: right and i was i, I did want to go back and tell you that in our the strategic plan for D&I one of the strategies that we talked about was looking into um, going into the high schools. I've, I've looked back at this, and so looking at um, a program that would look at recent graduates from college, then looking at PRSSA, the Student Society of America uh, attracting more uh, diverse students into PR SSA, mm-hmm. but even mm-hmm. before that, launching an awareness program as far as what is PR and what is communication right. at high schools and working that through high school counselors to do just what you said, you know, to, to educate around public relations and career choice at, you know, that earlier at the high school age.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, just a quick background on myself. I um, I sort of learned PR on the on the fly so to speak uh... work my way up to uh... being a press secretary for the uh... former chairman of the house educational labor committee and then then working in uh... a presidential campaign and handling communications for an assistant secretary of education along with the radio and and some other sort of things so i actually have gone into and do go into a particular right now the college level p r classes and let them know here's what i do Here's some of the uh-huh. major, major problems that I've had to solve for clients. Uh, and at that level, um, it, it really pays off, and there's a lot of satisfaction with going with, uh, with this job. But it's a lot of work. If, 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 basically, what I tell them is that what you're being taught in this class, you're being taught by uh, other folks who are learning it in their classes around the country. So the best thing you can do is be the best you can at what you do. Because if you're not at the top of your game, there's somebody else that's going to step in and take the job you thought you might be able to get.
1: Right. And one of the things, Peter, that we've looked at and talked about from an inclusion standpoint is we do have a number of young people who come from various backgrounds. Whether it's their race or whether um, it's their sexual orientation or they have a disability. And they do graduate in in PR, and many times they are hired, but the inclusion piece then is what is missing, mm-hmm. where they may not be included in the work environment in the same way that someone else may be included. Mm-hmm. So when they get to work, they don't see other people who look like them. Uh, they don't meet other people who look like them, and maybe they're not given the best assignments. And so we will find many times that there will be people who come into the workforce and then they become disenchanted because of that first experience. So one of the things that we are looking at through PRSA's efforts and through the efforts of others is to see if there's some kind of a mentoring program where there's a mentor, whether it's in that same company or outside that company who can help mentor these young people coming into the workforce Mm -hmm. so that they stay with PR and they stay and they work through those issues and they learn how to advocate for themselves and they have a mentor who can advocate for them. So many times it's not necessarily that there are not young people graduating that that come from diverse circumstances, but then when they get into the workforce, they may not stay with it. They may decide, oh, well, this is not for me, and they end up going into sales or they end up doing something else mm-hmm. because they didn't have that mentor and their experience was not an, an experience where they felt accepted and, and they were included. So that's one of the things that we're looking at is... Can we help to affect that and make that change where young people, regardless of circumstances, do feel included? They do feel like they have a voice. They do see that they can be productive in a PR communication position.
0: And let me just add to that because as I'm listening to you, one of the things that came to my mind immediately because you write somebody – a handicapped person, for instance, goes into a company and they feel that they're not being treated equally and fairly. That can can have a serious downside for that company because right. we're we branding people, and our company and what our employees say is part of our brand. And if what that uh, what they say is negative, that uh, you know they just sort of you know put me in the corner and gave me some menial work. That's not the kind to go over well. So my thinking is that maybe you need to have a CEO summit, you know, about here's how to make your diversity program successful and that those people who are there need to be included at the table when decisions are made, see how decisions are made, and have some input into it as well. So uh how that uh, piece of it that you want to develop, I think, should include including those from that community to make sure that – uh uh things go well because just having a a mentor might not come from it might not come from a high enough level to say we're serious about this, so let's make sure <laughs> they get some serious uh uh help and uh, and opportunities here
1: right yep that's a very good point
0: so. Well, Garland, I know that uh, we had wanted to squeeze in a little bit about uh, artificial intelligence, so if you've got some maybe overarching input about all your insights or some remarks you'd like to make about our artificial intelligence, I would say now is the time.
1: Okay. <laughs> well, I know that, you know, that is on everyone's mind, and I've heard, you know, some people in communication say, well, what are we going to do with that? Is that, you know, is artificial intelligence going to replace a a person? And, um, you know, my thought around that is that communication, public relations, although we find ourselves in the 21st century being very high tech, we are a high tech, a high touch industry. We are a high touch profession. And so we've got to learn as communicators. How we can remain high touch but utilize the technology for, uh, for good and utilize that for the good of the organizations that we serve. So I certainly do think that in a lot of not only our research, there are ways that we can use artificial intelligence to help build research when we are looking into a campaign, looking into some situation that we could use artificial intelligence to to maybe do that research in a more cost-effective way. Mm-hmm. And so that's the main way that I could see using artificial intelligence is to be able to do the research, whether that's you know uh, phone surveys or computer surveys or in some way that we are collecting data. And instead of having to hire uh, a lot of people mm-hmm. to make calls or to develop and deploy our uh, our research instruments, that uh, artificial intelligence can be used for that. Uh, I also think there's some ways that artificial intelligence can be used as part of the the tactics in a campaign where that artificial intelligence is serving up and delivering messaging. So we were talking earlier about um, not having communication that's a that's a one-size-fits-all.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, if we're mm-hmm. looking at how do we reach a person who has a hearing challenge or a person who uh, has a visual challenge or some other kind of challenge, Artificial intelligence could very well help us to be able to reach them in a way that we were not able to do before. It may help them to be able to interact with us and interact with our clients, uh, our companies, in a way that they have not been able to before. So I think there are a lot of ways that artificial intelligence can be used as a tool of public relations, of communication that can make us more effective, possibly uh, save time, and uh, and in the long run probably save money, but do so in a way that doesn't replace what we do but just augments what we do.
0: You know, I agree with you, and I think the one thing that I have gotten out of people talking about artificial intelligence is that it does not replace creative thinking. And mm-hmm. we are a band of creative thinkers, and that's how we solve a lot of problems. So for me, as long as I stay in that particular lane, I'm I'm comfortable. I know it's coming. Well, it's already here. But uh, right. I don't panic that the fact that uh, the artificial intelligence is crunching the data because I'm not a numbers person. And and thank you, artificial intelligence, for doing that. <laughs> I'll, I'll just stay on the creative right. side of things. Right. So. <laughs>
1: And I think there are ways too that we can use artificial intelligence to help us with our evaluation, because we, you know, we've looked at for years how do we effectively show return on investment, and how do we mm-hmm. show we move the needle, and how do we evaluate. Mm-hmm. So, just to your point, uh, artificial intelligence can help us crunch those numbers and help us be able to evaluate the campaigns that we have better than we've been able to in the past.
0: Absolutely. Well, Garland, I, I have certainly enjoyed talking to you, and if there's any way that I can help you down the road, uh, your folks in uh, New York know how to, uh, to track me down, and I'd love to maybe have a conversation, as I said, if there's a way that I can, can offer any assistance to you at all. So I certainly want to thank you for being uh, uh, a guest on the uh, Public Relations Review.
1: All right, Peter. Thank you. It's been my pleasure.
0: Good, and we look forward to hopefully uh, having a chance to talk to you in the near future. All right. Thank you, have a great day. All right. You too. Okay. This podcast is produced by Communication Strategies, an award-winning public relations and public affairs firm headquartered in Nashville, Tennessee. Thank you for joining us. Hi, this is Peter Woolfolk speaking. Now, first of all, thank you so very much for listening to the podcast. Now, I am very excited to let you know that the podcast is now available on Amazon Alexa. You know the drill. Simply say, Alexa, play Public Relations Review Podcast, and she'll take you from there. And again, thank you for listening. And if you enjoy the program, please become a subscriber. Now, on to the podcast.